So we, uh, we've begun this series on the Ten Commandments and not viewing them as ten archaic rules that really were more applicable to someone who lived uh, thousands of years ago and much more like uh, 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 things that God, who loves us so much, has said, listen, if you want to have a healthy life, if you want to live a life that pleases me and also is honored and ends up being good, then here's some things uh, that I would like for you to do. Here's some guidelines for you to live by. We began uh, by looking at the first commandment, which says you will have no other gods before me. And the practical uh, application of that is just putting God first in your life. And we said that that is both a powerful and a personal decision. It's personal for us because we choose to worship the same way that we choose to love. And it's powerful to us because we recognize that God has done some things for us that only God can do. And out of his love for us, he's done that. And so, uh, but we also said that it was personal and powerful for God first. Because he came to us. We didn't have to come to him hoping that we would do whatever uh, would be uh, uh, pleasing to him. He came to us, rescued us. And so we come to him personally and powerfully. So that's number one. Then there's number two. Commandment number two says that uh, you will make no, uh, um, do not make it uh, for yourself an image or an idol, and you will not bow down and worship them. And, and, and we talked about the pra- practical application of that is, is if we're willing to say that God is first in our life, then, uh, then our lifestyle, the things that we say, the things that we do ought to represent that. And so instead of saying, God, we love you, but uh, I just carved um, an image of Tom Brady out of this log, and so I'm going to worship that. You you see what I'm saying? And that's not too far off, right? So, so that, that, that's the whole point that we're getting at. And, and, and that's, that's where we've landed. And so um, that's uh, commandment number one and commandment number two. And then what that means then, in, in Shan's kind of paraphrased application, is that uh, commandments three through ten are ways that you and I can live our life to demonstrate that he's number one and we're going to live that way. Okay. That God's number one, and we're going to live that way. And oh, by the way, having made that decision, we will have to reinforce and reapply that every day of our lives. And some days we're going to be good at it, and some days, right? So, uh, number three, let's get right into that. Um, uh, Oh, one other thing I wanted to say. So, uh, God commanded... uh, he said, I want you to put me first and, and prove it uh, by worshiping me alone. And, and uh, one thing I forgot to let you know, it was interesting. What, there was a time when Jesus was uh, uh, serving and, and, and carrying on in his ministry, and somebody asked him what the greatest commandment was. And he didn't really hesitate, said to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, Period. And what Jesus was reinforcing was what God gave to Moses uh, generations before. Put me first and demonstrate it. It's really not too uh, sophisticated when it's all said and done. There's, there's consistency there. So the third commandment then, it comes from Exodus chapter 20, verse 6, says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his 
name. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing off the top of your heads that you're, you think that today might be a message about um, uh, a select few four-letter words or some other things that are usually written down with a whole bunch of uh, 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 punctuation marks in, in writing and things along those lines. Um, uh, nowadays, people don't even bother with the punctuation marks anymore, okay? They just don't. Um, and uh, there, there is a, um, a growing ambivalence to the things that we say. And we say whatever because we can. And we post on Facebook whatever we want because we can. And uh, uh, there'll be a meme that'll come across that is about as uh, tasteless and crass as you can possibly. And, and in, our, in the privacy of our, of our room, we might um, say, laugh and smile and then we'll, we'll share it kind of a thing. But see, here's the problem. God rescued you. God rescued me. And out of my gratitude for what he did for me, I said, God, you're first in my life. And I want to live in a way that demonstrates the fact that you're first in my life. Which means God has both the authority and the right to talk about the things that we say. Now, I don't have to get that sophisticated or theological when I talk about all this because when it's all said and done, um, uh, you and I, if you've raised any kids or if you had parents, right, you can remember those discussions where mom and dad uh, said to us or we said to our kids, what'd you say? Where'd you hear that? Who told you you could talk like that? And it's, it's beyond just uh, uh, the, the, the targeted uh, special four-letter words. It's attitude and it's mindset. And there are specifics here. See, this is the significance of words. Words mean thing. Words carry weight. I love you. We're pregnant. I do. I solemnly swear to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Words mean things. Yes, sir. I will. Words mean things. And Jesus, John quoted from earlier in the service, John quoted from Luke chapter 6, in that same mindset from Matthew chapter 12, this is what Jesus said. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. 
But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for those four-letter words that you and I both know. No. For every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. You know... um, Leslie and I are in an interesting position that's not unfamiliar to some of you uh, here today. Uh, We're empty nesters. And uh, what I realized on the day that we dropped Kendall off uh, at school was that I had just about figured out how to be a good dad, and now I'm no longer in a position to do it. And so there are sometimes some, uh, some, for me personally, there are some dads that will come up and they'll say, hey, what ha- what did you, how did you handle this? You know, this, this happened today. What, what, did you ever see that? And, and you know, what I've come to understand in my short time now as an empty nester is that what happened to me when I was a boy happened to my son when he was a boy and will happen to your kids and things are pretty much the same. And the challenges aren't necessarily any different. It's just who's experiencing them and who has authority over them. And what I've said is this. The number one lesson. Now, if you don't get anything, y'all tune me in. The number one lesson that you can teach your kids is self-control. But you can't teach self-control unless you control yourself. You can't. Now, it's hard. It's hard. And there were days that I was good, and there were days that I wasn't, right, babe? But you see... The reason why I, the, the reason I was able to master it on some days is I would say, okay, God, I, I, I'm going to follow you because I want my son to follow you. I'm going to follow you because I want my girls to follow you. And, and the only God that they're going to see at times is me. Did you hear me? The only God, now going to the, the, the means of the day, the only God that some people are going to hear is you and your words. Words are significant. And for the most part, we just have casual conversations day in and day out. But every once in a while, you and I know that we're about to say something and we recognize that what we're about to say is going to carry some weight. And we better think before we speak. And we better remember that God's listening. He's paying attention. Words are significant for a couple of different reasons that I want to share with you today. And each time I share with you a particular category of the significance of words, I'm going to kind of back that up and or illustrate it with some great, simple sentences of the wisdom of the words that we say uh, from the book of Proverbs. Okay? Uh, First of all, uh, words are significant because words describe limits. 
Words are significant because words describe limits. Um, the third, uh, third commandment says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord. Or maybe you memorize it, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Those kinds of things. Now, uh, I want to kind of take a, a little bit of a sidetrack uh, discussion, and I want to point something out to you that you may have noticed uh, or you may have just observed and not necessarily thought about it, but eight of the Ten Commandments that you and I either understand, have memorized, or just kind of recognize when they're said to, eight of the ten speak in uh, uh, negative tones. You shall not do this. You shall not murder. You shall not lie. You shall not take the name of the Lord and invade. You shall not have the other gods before me. Those kinds of things. Eight of the ten. The next two, uh, the two that are positive are the next two that we talk about next week. Um, uh, remember the Sabbath and honor your father and mother. That's, uh, remember the Sabbath this is next week and honor your father and mother uh, uh, the week after that. But why in the negative? Because sometimes it seems like it's burdensome and it's just a, a bunch of crusty old rules uh, given to us by some curmudgeon guy that didn't want us running on his grass kind of stuff, right? <laughs> that's the perspective sometimes that we throw on that and, and cast it with a broad seed. And that's not... Well, see, God actually was really, really smart. All right? And, and to illustrate it, <laughs> I was thinking about this this past week. There's, an, uh, there's a country song that was out uh, uh, quite a few years ago. And... Um, uh, a guy sitting at a bar, and, and the, the song on the, uh, on the, on the music box uh, makes him feel bad, so he pulls out a gun, and he shoots the box, and the police arrive, and they, they charge him with reckless uh, use of a firearm, and he says, reckless? No, I shot where, where I was aiming, all right? And, 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 and see, why do I tell you that? Because <clears throat> in the negative, there are clear, there's a clear understanding of where the line is. The sign out here on Main Street doesn't say drive 35 miles an hour. It says speed limit 35. If it just said drive 35, you could say, I don't want to. I want to drive 90. I want to drive 10. And I've seen both. All right? But in the limits... The line is very clearly defined. And we know that anything inside that, so to speak, just like I, I taught my kids, hey, listen, I don't want you to go over here. I don't want you to go over there. But you get to do everything inside here. So don't focus on where the line is. Focus on what I told you to do. Words describe limits. And limits are important because oftentimes when we give our kids those rules, we, we, we're not giving them rules because we are the old curmudgeon guy and we don't want them running on the grass. That's not us. What we're doing is we're saying, I, I want you to stay away from this over here because you might get hurt. And I don't want you to do that over there because it's going to lead to some trouble. And you don't want trouble and you don't want pain. And it's just that simple. Words describe limits. Proverbs chapter 4 says this, Keep your mouth free from perversity and keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Proverbs chapter 29 says, A gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. You know someone. Right now you're thinking, that if you want something known, you tell them. 
Are you that person? Proverbs 26 says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like them. Simple suggestions that carry significant weight. The significance of words is that they describe limits. Words also declare identity. They declare identity. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. And the reason why is that when we bring God's name into certain contexts or certain discussions, we literally are saying, listen, this is not my authority, this is His authority. This is not me sanctioning the context, this is God's sanction. This is not me condemning the context, this is God doing it. And, and I could literally use, there are young ears here today, and so I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, sensationalize the discussion, but there are specific words of condemnation, uh, wh- wh- whether the, the hammer hits the, uh, the, the, na- the thumbnail rather than the metal nail, kind of a thing, or anything else. But the, but, but the point is still the same. And I'm not talking about simple, crazy, um, uh, incidental things like that. I'm talking about intentional condemnation. And bringing God into glorifying or condemning things that it's not, he, He's not involved in any of that. That's you. You're saying it, not Him. And when you bring His name into it, you're, you're supposed to be bringing in His... You, well, not supposed to. You are. You're bringing in His character, His promises, His holiness, His goodness, His authority, His power, those kinds of things. And what we're really doing is just co-opting it and saying, listen, God told me to tell you this. And God may not be the one talking at all. Listen. Before I became a preacher, I was a sailor. And sailors have a wee bit of a reputation. Okay? Okay? And I always wondered why, why it was that sailors couldn't be a little bit more creative. Seriously. I mean, is that, are, the, are, the, are the words just go-to things? And do we say them because everybody else can? Rather than acknowledging the fact that, you know, what Jesus said, out of the good of the man comes the words that are good. Or out of the evil of the man comes the words that are evil. Don't talk like that. Just don't. Don't talk like it. Don't post it. Don't share somebody else that posted that. Just don't. Because you belong to God, not to them. Listen to what Proverbs says. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Listen to this. But violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. It almost seems as if more trouble is coming if we can't control what we say. Hmm. Proverbs 19. Better the poor whose walk is blameless than a fool whose lips are perverse. And lastly, Proverbs 26, a sluggard 
is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer correctly. You see, the significance of words is this. You are known for how you talk. Did you hear me? You are known for the things that you say. Words not only describe limits and declare identity, words define relationships. They define them. It says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord, for God will not, will not hold anyone guiltless. Now, what that does not mean is that there isn't a way to repent and come around that as if it's kind of a line that once you've crossed, you can't come back. That's, that's not the point. What God is saying is that if you use, if you speak words that are harmful, that are hateful, that are uh, uh, disrespectful, especially of God, there's guilt there. Period. And it, and, and it describes a relationship that now is in place between myself and God if I say things I shouldn't say. And uh, how many of you have been in that wonderful yet horrible circumstance where you, you've got to go face somebody and talk about something that you said or you did and you're embarrassed and you don't want to do it, but you need to do it because you don't want that relationship to stay that way. You don't want it to be awkward. You don't want to uh, have to have averting eyes or even a, 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 you just kind of turn around and you avoid the whole circumstance because you just don't want to deal with whatever it is that you need to deal with. And that's what happens when we say things we shouldn't say. Period. Now listen, uh, there are lots of things. You know, I always tease my, uh, my mother-in-law. She, um, she, she, she'll say things and she'll, and she'll say, I'm just saying. Right? Anybody else just saying? Anybody not want to say it? Yeah. Because the fact of the matter is, you're not just saying it. You're saying it. And there we are. And it defines the relationship. Defines the relationship between us and God. Defines the relationship between husband and wife. It defines the relationship between parent and child. Between boss and worker. Between uh, teammate and teammate between child of God and child of God. Words define relationships. Consider these definitions or these titles, if you will, these tags. Verse, uh, Proverbs 11, verse 9, With their mouths the godless destroy their neighbors. How's that for a relationship? With, mouth, with their mouths, the godless destroy their, their neighbors, but through knowledge, the righteous escape. Through knowledge? What do you mean? Through knowledge, I build a fence. Through knowledge, I close my windows. Proverbs 21. Now, ladies, don't get upset. But I want to, I'm going to amplify this in here in a minute. 
Better to live on a corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Ladies, you listen to me. Men sometimes are dumb because they don't say the things that need to be said. Women are dumb because they say too much. There, I said it. I've been married 30 years. There's a whole bunch of things I shouldn't have said. All right? And there's a whole bunch of things she shouldn't have said. And there are a whole bunch of times when I say, honey, just stop. Just stop. And there's a whole bunch of times she says, what do you want? What do you want? See, women, your primary means of understanding and relationship is communication. And it's a blessing. And we... We do listen, we do learn, and we do understand. And it's one of the reasons why, personally, I believe that, ladies, you have the capacity to be much more spiritual than men. You're, you're closer to God quicker. Men, we're just too stubborn. We are. When we finally humble ourselves, we're locked in. Okay? But sometimes... See, stereotypically, and I recognize I'm speaking in stereotypes and painting with a broad brush. We can, build the, we can build the house, but ladies, you make the home. And you make the home not just because you put flowers on the dining room table. It's because the things that you say. And what do you say? That's where the power is. That's where the relationships are defined. They really are. And lastly, one that I'm sure you've heard, Proverbs chapter 15. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. And that's not gender specific. defines relationships. They do. They significantly cement us together or almost irreparably divide us. Words uh, define identity. They declare it. They, 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 who we are because we're known for what we say or what we don't. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you say one bad thing and you're locked in. It's the consistency of what we say. Because we are so gracious to one another. We really are. We let things go. We let a lot of things go. We really do. But it's the consistency over time. Ah, oh, that's Shan. Don't worry about it. Ah, oh, that's alright. No, I... I know him, and he wouldn't talk like that. Not unless things had really gotten bad. That's the point. And words declare limits. Don't go over there. You just, just don't do that. Stay away from this. Avoid that. 
And they have negative context because in those negative contexts, the lines are very clear. And frankly, I'd much have a clear understanding of what I need to do than some kind of foggy, whimsical, ambiguous understanding that's different for you and different for me. God clarifies it all. Last week, I asked you to think about what you say before you say it. James, in his own way, asked the same question in a statement. James chapter 3 says this, With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. This should not be, especially if we say God is first in our life. If, especially if we say, God, not only is first in my life, but I'm going to live a life that represents the fact that he's first in my life. And the first way I'm going to live in a way that represents the fact that God is first in my life is I am going to pay attention to the things that I say. God, thank you so much for making us in such a way that communication sets us apart from anything and everything else that's been created. We have the ability not only to communicate with one another, but with you in a powerful and personal way. And we have that same ability to powerfully and personally communicate with one another. And the most wonderful thing that's happened to us ever is the fact that you came to us to rescue us in the person of Jesus. And because we know that to be true, we want to live for him because he died for us. And in living for him, Lord, we want to be careful of the things that we say, so help us. We have these great, wonderful tools of laptops and iPads and phones and we can say some of the most wonderful things and we can put words on images and wonderful images and scripture verses and and great memories but we can also sometimes say hurtful things and most of the time they are not necessary so father forgive us where we're a little bit more evil than we are good and help us to be the god that some people will only hear the Jesus that some people will only hear so that they can come to know who you are and love you first and then love us next. Forgive us when we say just sometimes the dumbest and most foolish things. Our hearts sometimes are heavy and they're overwhelmed and we're burdened and we're afraid and we worry and we wonder and we don't understand why things happen sometimes the way that they do, but you know us. Forgive us for an, in our weakness and bless us with faith, faith and strength so that we can honor you and demonstrate that our hearts belong to you and from our hearts come wonderful words of encouragement and faith and strength and honor. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.